Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang. It's a fabulous day here at the New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm glad that you've decided to join us. There's a lot of other things you could be doing, like maybe sleeping in on a Saturday, but you're not. You are wide awake and ready to garden, and so am I. It's been a quite nice week. You know, it's been unusual. We haven't had any or say much rain to speak of but yet the weather the temperatures are very nice and of course that pushes us to want to do a lot of things outdoors that urge is called spring fever and spring fever is a real thing I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I read an article that, you know, spring cleaning, why do people do all these things right after a nice cold winter, right at the cusp of spring? Well, apparently, with the changing of the sunlight, the warming up of things, it's a real fever. It affects your body. It affects your energy level, changes your hormones. And here we are, spring fever. Now, a lot of folks are going to want to plant petunias and tomatoes. I had people ask two weeks ago in February, when when are we getting our tomatoes at Lanier Nursery and Gardens? When are you getting your tomatoes? And I said, wait a second. This is still winter. Just because we've had a few 60-something degree days, we're going to be back in the cold weather. We know we are, especially at nighttime. And so don't let spring fever get the best of you be sure be sure that as we progress in closer and closer to spring that we don't fail to check the 10-day forecast for instance because that is probably one of the only ways is to look day by day to anticipate how much cold weather we're going to have now we can look at history And, of course, that's probably what a lot of the meteorologists do to some degree. But, of course, we're looking at the um, patterns of weather, uh, the currents. And we can't just, because it feels nice one day, expect the next day to be the same. Like somebody said, if you don't like the weather in Georgia, just hang around for 30 minutes because it will change. And so we might have a very cold uh, snap. Some of the old timers, they call it Blackberry Winter. We may have a Blackberry Winter, which is, which of course is, uh, usually happens after blackberries have bloomed, which is how it got, got its name. And so that can cause a lot of damage to very early crops that you grew. But there is one thing we can do, and that is prepare, prepare ourselves for planting. 
particularly vegetables. Now, last week, if you joined me on the program, you will know that we talked about growing vegetables, and I gave you tips from my grandfather, and uh, that was a very uh, nostalgic show for me, thinking about some of the things that he taught me, and the very first time that I ever planted a garden, of course, he helped me turn it over. So if you missed that show, of course, you can also find it online at NewSouthernGarden.com, all your favorite podcasting apps, and we're on Facebook and Instagram. But I wanted to continue that conversation, I wanted to continue that conversation this week for you, um, because there are so many vegetables that you could grow. And, you know, my grandfather taught me what he knew. But, of course, then years later, I went and studied growing plants and growing tomatoes, growing vegetables, growing uh, ornamental plants, et cetera, et cetera, uh, horticulture, right, at the University of Georgia. And so I learned a lot of new things. Now, a lot of this stuff is book stuff, right? Somebody wrote it in a book. Uh, the, uh, maybe it was research. So, of course, research is where the universities and maybe third parties uh, try to figure out what's the best way to grow or do something. And, of course, they write that down, and you can read about it and learn from it. You know, I always say that one of the best ways to learn is to listen to others or read from others, learn from their mistakes, and you don't have to pay the consequence. So on today's program, we are going to continue our discussion on growing vegetables, uh, but specifically today... I want to talk about root crops, root crops. Now, remember, when we are growing vegetables, we are either growing roots, shoots, or fruits. That's right. When we're growing vegetables, we're either eating or consuming something that has been grown underground, the root part of the plant, something like stems and leaves, and then, of course, fruits, something that was produced from a flower. So some examples of root crops, of course you know them. We've got carrots, we've got beets, we've got parsnips, radishes, rutabagas, turnips, horseradish, and even one obscure plant called Jerusalem artichoke. And then, of course, if we go into the world of shoot crops, we're talking about greenery, right? We're talking about greens, you know, turnips or collards, kales, cabbage. Uh, if you are consuming that part that is a leaf like lettuce, then that is the uh, shoot. Then, of course, the last group of plants are fruits. So we're eating roots, we're eating shoots, and we're eating fruits, or we're growing them before we eat them. But the fruits, of course, are products of an ovary, products of a flower, uh, which would include things like tomatoes and cucumbers and squash and okra and beans. All of those are fruit crops. We are growing the plant to harvest the fruits. But on today's program, we are growing root crops to harvest the roots. And so I thought I'd talk about as many as I possibly can. But of course, I am going to spend a bit of time on probably America's and maybe the world's favorite uh, root crop called the carrot. Now, the carrot is an unusual plant in the sense that it actually belongs to the parsley family. So, of course, if you're growing parsley and you're growing carrots in your landscape, uh, they may share some of the same diseases. They may share some of the same insects. But carrot uh, is actually what we call a uh, biennial. It's a biennial, which means that the first year it uh, produces the plant. And that's usually the year when we harvest it, that first year. 
So we harvest the root at the end of the season, maybe after 70 to 100 days, depending on the variety we're growing. But we are harvesting the portion of the plant the same year that we produce it. So we treat it as an annual. But if you let that root uh, stay underground and you did not harvest it in that first year's time, then by the second year, that plant, the carrot plant itself, would produce a flower. And of course, after the flower, it sets seeds and you could collect those seeds and grow more carrots. So when you're growing carrots, keep that in mind. That's one of the critical aspects of carrots. If you want to grow, uh, save your seed, we'll say. If you don't want to buy a new pack of uh, carrot seeds every year, well, what you just do is let it stay in the ground longer. You'll have these parsley-like blooms by year two. And then, of course, a few weeks later, yeah, that will follow with seed pods, and you can scatter those seeds for the next year. So you may save a few plants to save seed. But let's get back to some of the details here about carrots. Um, not only is it related to parsley, but it's also related to celery, parsnips, and um, uh, it's got several different wild types. About 60 different species of carrot uh, have been documented and been described but of course, there is one that is cultivated, and that is a variety called sativus or sativus. However you want to pronounce that, I don't think it matters, as long as you get the syllables right. That's what I was told in plant school. So the sativus type of carrots, the, that is the strain that has been cultivated for a long time ago. Speaking of a long time ago, historically, carrots were not even eaten as part of a meal. They were used for medicinal purposes before they were ever used as a food crop, which only dates back to the 16th century. So still, several hundred years, uh, humans have been consuming carrots, uh, but not really so long have they been using them uh, just for food. They were used as medicine a long time ago. Now, Here's the interesting thing. Today's carrot usually is reddish orange. It's a rich orange. Well, that was not the case when carrots were first used. The original colors, one of the initial types of carrots that humans cultivated was purple. And of course, there are plenty around today that you can find that are purple. We have some carrots at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, uh, some that are sort of purplish red, really dark colors. We have some seeds there. But that is very strange. And we're going to talk a little later about the shifting of colors. Uh, but it, it, that orange color we see today did not appear for much later. But where did this beautiful little root crop come from? Well, initially we think that the center of origin uh, or domestication of carrot uh, started somewhere in Middle Asia, most likely Afghanistan, surprisingly. And then, of course, the carrots kind of spread under the affluence uh, out there in the Middle East to Middle uh, Mediterranean. So then we're shifting from Middle East over into the Mediterranean. And by the 12th century, we find that they were being grown in Spain. So this little carrot that was just kind of a weed out in Middle Asia became very popular, made its way into Europe. And of course, things changed dramatically. Now, back at the time and still today, really, um, definitely back in the old days, there were these uh, carrots that were being produced of various sizes, various shapes, and various colors. 
We already talked that one of the original colors of carrot would have been kind of a purple, very rich kind of bloody color. Well, yellow types started to replace those purple types. And then by the middle of the 1700s, we see that the reddish orange carrots uh, that we know and love today were being grown in parts of um, Europe and England. Now, that crop, that orange carrot, was also grown in Virginia and Massachusetts. Uh, of course, the pe- people had the Europeans had settled the New World, and the early colonists definitely would have had that plant, as well as the Native Americans. So the settlers brought it over, and the Native Americans fell in love with it and started to grow it in their own communities. Now let's talk a little bit about the health benefits, maybe. What other than a tasty side dish does carrot give you? Well, first of all, we know that carrots are a great source of vitamin A. Now remember that there is a um, component inside of carrots called carotene. That's how they get that orange color in particular, that rich colors of their roots. And that is a precursor to vitamin A. So carotene works to help provide us with more vitamin A. And it's also a good source of vitamin B1, C, B2. Now, of course, a superior quality, superior quality carrot is going to be associated with high sugar levels, a mild taste, and a deep orange color. That is how we have classified superior quality, especially if we're taking taking our precious roots to the market. We want to make sure they have high sugar levels with a mild taste, not too bitter, not too stout, uh, but a deep orange color. Now, of course, if you are looking to grow something other than an orange, maybe reds, there are some whitish and yellows. Uh, If you're looking to grow those richer colors, uh, then you know, the deep orange color doesn't necessarily matter, but the mild taste and that high sugar level does. So we're going to talk today about how we're going to achieve that and um, go from there. Let's talk a little bit about the growth and development of your carrot plant. After you've sowed them and they started to grow, what are they going to look like? Well, we talked that it is a biennial, meaning that it's grown annually for its roots. But then, of course, it accumulates sugars and starches inside of that root, which make it real tasty. Then, of course, two years later, uh, two years, not two years later, but two years after uh, seeding, I suppose, you will start to get uh, your flowering. You will start to get your flowering, which leads to your um, your seeds, if you want to save your seeds. But of course, we've got a lot to talk about, especially when it comes to carrots. So hang on tight. And when we get back from this quick break, we're going to talk about more crops that are grown underground and we eat their roots. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our 
listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. This cartoon several years ago of this little kid who had, um, of course, it was just a drawing, but this little boy had uh, carrots stuck in his eye sockets. And the caption below said something like, My mom said carrots were good for my eyes, but I can't see a thing. <laughs> and of course, we don't mean carrots are good to be to put in your eyes, but of course we've talked about the benefits of um, of eating carrots, of the vitamins that they provide, the carotene, which is a precursor to vitamin A, uh, which I don't know. I have to ask my wife. I think that that is that that is the vitamin that does help your vision. <laughs> so don't stick the carrots in your eyes. But of course today we are talking about sticking carrots in the ground, sowing them in our gardens, growing a root crop, which of course is something that we are harvesting for the underground roots. Usually we're talking about tuberous stems. We're talking about roots or bulbs. We're taught like onions. They're technically more of a bulb. And we're talking about these things that are growing underground. Now, we're probably going to spend a lot of time on carrot because one of my favorites. I'll go ahead uh, before we get back into the discussion and, and, and talk about a few years ago, I grew carrots in a five-gallon bucket, just a cheap five-gallon hardware store bucket and filled it with potting soil. And let me tell you, folks, that is one of the best ways to grow carrots is in a deep container because we're going to talk a little later, uh, but heavy soils can give your carrots an unusual shape. But if you're growing them in a light soil, then you will have straighter carrots and you can probably have quality enough to put them in some kind of vegetable competition. If, I don't think we do that around here, really. Uh, but if there's a vegetable competition near you, that's one of the tricks that I'd like to use would be to grow your carrots in lightweight uh, soilless mix or potting soil in a deep container, and you can get the straightest and longest carrots that you have ever seen. All right, now the plant itself, the carrot plant itself, of course, has this big fleshy root, right? But there is a short little stem just right where the, uh, uh, the foliage connects the root. So technically, we do have root, stem, and leaves, but the stem is very reduced very uh, shortened in size. Now, of course, we've already talked that these this foliage is, is going to come out um, and 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 generate r nutrition for the root, so that you are getting a strong, healthy carrot. Then, of course, if you wait another year, you will see where that uh, root sends energy and also the foliage into producing a flower. So, by year two, once your carrots are blooming, if you've left them in the ground that long. They're not going to be very tasty. They're going to be quite corky because carrot generally has a center core and then an outer covering there. Now, of course, that outer covering is mainly what we call the phloem. Now, phloem is a botanical term uh, for 
the vascular parts of the vascular system of a plant that particularly moves sugars from the leaves down into the stem and into the root. Now the center core is mainly what or inner core is mainly called the xylem and pith. Now xylem is going to be the vascular system or little tubes uh, that run up and down, cellular tubes that run up and down the plant. The xylem carries water from the root and then sends it up to the shoot. So your phloem is moving sugar and your xylem is moving water. Now, why do I mention that? Because if your carrot, if you cut it in half, right, and you examine the inner core, if the inner core is quite large, you will have reduced sugar, which means you will have less flavor. So we do want to produce a carrot that has a thick outer core. That outer core uh, is, the, is the phloem, again, moving sugars up and down the plant. And if you have more phloem, you have more sugar, which means you have more flavor. So speaking of flavor, when the plant starts to grow, when the carrot plant starts to grow, it starts to produce a, produce a flavor, produce uh, total sugars, okay? Now, while that plant develops, the total sugar does not necessarily increase by much. So, uh, the amount of sugar in the plant is about the same from when it's young to when it's old, if that makes sense. However, there is a shift from glucose sugar to sucrose sugar. And what that does is that increases uh, sweetness with age. So, we go from a glucose-type sugar to a sucrose-type sugar form, which is sweeter, tastier maybe even. And so if you let your plant go, you know, don't harvest them too young, which you can harvest carrots at any time of the uh, any time of their growing point. If you want little uh, little dainty kind of stringy carrots or if you want the large more mature carrot, that's fine or if you want anything in between those sizes, that's okay. You can eat the you can eat the root anytime. But if you want to maximize sweetness, you want to have as much of that glucose sugar turn into sucrose sugar to taste very good. Now, of course, we already talked that uh, carotene gives that characteristic orange color and the vitamin A activity. Uh, however, vitamin A is higher in the phloem than in the xylem. So that's another very good thing when we trying to create a bigger outer core and a smaller inner core. We also increase the amount of that uh, vitamin A potential that that plant will give us or that that root will give us actually. Um, one of the interesting things about the carrot plant the root itself is that, you know, what we eat is the root, but they have these sub roots. They have a very uh, sub roots, I guess I should say. They have these very extensive and deep uh, root systems that are absorbing down deep, maybe 30 to 36 inches. And usually, um, of course, you've got the edible taproot as it gets bigger, as it gets bigger. It gives rise to these large number of side shoots or side roots, I should say, side laterally growing roots. And so that is very good to know because if we're producing a root system on the carrot that is quite extensive, 
then we're not having to supplement it with extra water. It can tap in 30 to 36 inches below uh, that taproot, or, or below the earth, I should say. And of course, it should be able to find groundwater and excess water if we're trying to produce a strong, strong plant. So now let's talk just a little bit about the climatic requirements, what our climate should be like, what time of the year we should grow them, and of course, cultural requirements, some things that we need to keep in mind when we are cultivating them. Now, the carrot is considered a cool season vegetable um, because in extreme temperatures, especially during the young seedling stage, uh, you can have very limited growth and substantially reduce your yield. So if it's not a plant to seed in the dead of summer, and it's not a, necessarily a plant to seed in the dead of winter or height of summer, dead of winter. I don't know. Regardless, we want to make sure that uh, we have temperatures usually at 59 to 65 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's the low end, 59 and 65. Of course, it's only a six degree difference. So really, the cool season would be like late uh, winter, kind of like we are here. Or, of course, maybe uh, uh, early fall to mid fall. You see, we still want to make sure that we have 70 to 100 days, which is a long time. It is a long time. And of course, uh, you can uh, go ahead and harvest plants, harvest your root crops, your carrots uh, in the uh, early part of spring to mid spring if you've started them here sort of in the late uh, late winter. Now, of course, we may be just a few weeks behind, but um, you do want to make sure that you have high enough temperatures, which, of course, is 59. And right now, uh, we're not necessarily uh, looking at 59 degrees every night. We're going to be back in the 40s. So you probably can get by with waiting to grow your carrots. But that's the ideal temperature. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about carrots and some other things to consider if you decide to grow this tasty, beneficial, healthy uh, root crop that is pulled straight from the earth and can go right in your mouth. Just wash the dirt off. We'll be right back. Greenness unfolded for the world to behold. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, it's quite a rooty day today because we are talking about carrots in particular and hopefully other root crops, but I don't know if we'll have time for that. Carrots are one of my favorite because I think it's the color. You know, of course, beets are blood red and parsnips are white. I don't really eat beets or parsnips, though, but I don't mind cooked carrots. But you pull them out of the ground, you've got that beautiful orange, maybe red, maybe yellow whatever kind you've been growing. You've got that beautiful color. There's something about that. You know, there's something about the green on top of the orange. I don't know, maybe it takes us back to Bugs Bunny days or something. <laughs> but regardless, carrots are fun and they're relatively easy to grow. We're just talking about some of the details of the plants itself, about the history. We've talked a lot about it. 
But now we're going to talk, uh, continue to talk about the climate and cultural requirements that you'll need. Of course, we did say that um, carrot is a cool season vegetable, meaning that it would prefer to grow in cool weathers. But you want to start your seeds uh, when the weather, when the temperatures are as low as 59. If you plant them any cooler, you may have poor development, poor germination even, uh, lower lower yields in the long run. And of course, anything higher kind of get the same effect. But you see, as the temperature increases, the roots become shorter and less tapered. When the temperatures become cooler, the roots of your carrot tend to become long and pointed. So, if you think about it, low temperatures somewhere between 50 degrees or so. It's also going to decrease the carotene production, which leads to poor color development, which is a problem for us in the South with growing winter-grown carrots, well, certain areas of the South. But on the other hand, if your carrots have prolonged exposure to high temperatures, that's going to bring a strong flavor and a coarse root. So you see, even though the carrots are easy, we can't really grow in the dead of winter or the height of summer. Because either way, we're going to have some kind of quality uh, problem. Now let's talk about the soil in which we grow the carrots. We want to make sure that to produce carrots, we have deep, loose, well-drained Hopefully, <laughs> sandy loam or loam soils uh, with just a bit of an acidic pH. Now, of course, here in most of the Piedmont, we generally have clay-based soils, very heavy soils. You might be blessed, uh, just like at the nursery and at my garden and my house, we've got little areas where there's a bit of a sandy loam happening. But a lot of it's just clay. And so maybe the same is for you. That's okay. We're going to talk a little bit about producing plants, uh, pr producing this type of plant, the carrot, in clay soils. But the idea is that um, with heavy soils like we have in the South, clay and stones or large clods or trash in the soil, and when I say trash, I mean, you know, maybe debris and sticks and stems, and hopefully it's not construction or builder's trash by any means. But if those things are in the soil, you will most likely uh, get, in, get uh, roots that are misshapen. They may have uh, poor structure uh, because the obstructions below the soil have forced the carrot to act funny. Now, if you have a heavy clay soil and you're trying to grow carrots, usually they are going to produce abundant leaf growth but their roots will be forked. Now, what about moisture? If you have dry areas uh, where you can regulate the soil with irrigation, that's actually high-quality production because uh, you don't want too wet of a soil and you don't want too dry. So if you have drier soils, but you can supply them, regulate their water intake with um, irrigation, that would be ideal because one of the troubles, one of the troubles with periods of dry and then periods of wet, which welcome to the South, right, is that that 
causes the carrots to be a bit prone to cracking. You know, if you've ever grown carrots, there are a few that you're going to get that have been cracked open. Now, it's not that they're inedible, but if you're trying to sell them at the market, uh, it's not necessarily something you're going to be able to do. But if you just eat them at home, it's fine. But that cracking is usually stimulated by periods of very dry and then periods of very wet. Very dry, very wet. Kind of the same reason why in the summer tomatoes will crack. People always uh, bring in pictures of their cracked tomatoes and usually has to do with this fluctuation in moisture. So if you have drier soils, it's not such a bad thing because you can regulate how much water they get. So they get even distribution of water, maybe water once a week, something like that. So once your carrots are growing, and we've already talked about water, we've talked about um, the soil type, but what about fertilizer? Uh, well, thing to consider with carrots is that you're trying to produce a root, mainly. doesn't mean that you're, you're not trying to produce leaves, because healthy leaves will produce a healthy, uh, vigorous root. However, you don't want to be uh, creating an excessive amount of top growth. So... Adding some nitrogen is going to be essential, but not too much nitrogen. Now, of course, the recommendation would be 50 pounds per acre, um, and then maybe up to 150 pounds per acre of nitrogen on a uh, lighter soil. But that doesn't really work for a small vegetable plot. So just know that when you're going for picking out fertilizers, be sure the nitrogen is on the low end, but really... Um, phosphorus and potassium, you may want to have a soil sample to see if you need that because phosphorus and potassium usually are in the soil at certain amounts uh, and, and a soil sample or soil test will tell you um, what's going on in your soil. But regardless, in order to produce a root, you do need a substantial amount of phosphorus because we remember from a few weeks back or maybe several now that the first number on the bag of fertilizer, that ratio, right? There's three numbers and they're hyphenated. The first number refers to the amount of nitrogen. The second number refers to the amount of phosphorus. And the third, the amount of potassium. Now we say that first number, the nitrogen, deals with the upgrowth, the foliage. We say the second number, phosphorus, deals with the downgrowth, the roots. And then the last number, uh, the potassium, we say deals with all around. So we've got up down and all around. So phosphorus and potassium are going to be very important, but you don't always have to apply uh, too much to our soils. Now let's consider some things that we want to um, uh, concern ourselves with when we're planting. Now I already mentioned that this is a cool season crop. Carrots grow in the cool season. And uh, you, the hardest thing, of course, to do is to establish a stand in, in uh, production because we've already talked about the weakness of some of the um, uh, germination and the young seedlings. But to optimize that initial uh, flush of growth from seeds, we do want to make sure the soil temperatures are somewhere between 50 degrees to 85 degrees. Any higher than 85 or say 86, above 86, and germination rapidly decreases. So that pretty much puts your um, puts your planting of carrot seed in the late summer, early fall, when your soil may be in the 80s. And then, of, and, and, and then of course, uh, it also puts us into planting about this time of year because I did check two weeks ago and the ground was 50 degrees. So it's probably much higher with all this warm weather we've had. So that does put your two seasons there that you could possibly grow uh, carrots in the south.
Now, of course, we talked about seedling growth being very weak, and soil crusting can be a problem, uh, and it can interfere with germination. Soil crusting, again, is where clay soils will sort of make puddles, and the uh, soil will clot up and create this sheet this sheet of crusty soil on top of your planting space and that results in poor germination so be sure that the soil bed uh, the soil that's there is well pulverized well turned over as a matter of fact uh, it's not such a bad problem to use raised beds if you increase the depth of your bed to at least eight inches above the ground that will help to uh, create not just a better carrot but it will also help to keep puddles from forming and crusting happening uh, on heavy rains on our clay soils. Now, spacing greatly affects the size or shape and development of your carrot plants. If you increase the space between your uh, carrots, large roots will be formed, and usually those are meant just for, say, processing, not necessarily fresh eaten. So, of course, we're not growing uh, processing uh, carrots. We're growing them to eat fresh or maybe sell at a market fresh. So unless you're growing uh, carrots to process, (laughs) then we would want to space uh, a little tighter. Now, generally, you would keep about 16 to 24 plants per foot of row um, for that kind of fresh eating of the carrot. That's going to produce a decent-sized carrot that's not too small but not too large uh, that you just have to chop it up and cook it down. So that, of course, 16 to 24 plants per foot of row, that seems pretty tight, uh, but their shoulders won't get too broad and their roots uh, the, 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 the length of the roots, I should say, won't get too deep. All right, so raised beds are very good. Of course, I've used containers to grow carrots. If you just have a small space and you love carrots, you can sprinkle some in a deep container. You don't have to worry about anything blocking the root or harming the root from turning left or right or whatever. But generally, you want to space, uh, sorry, you want to plant your seeds about a quarter of an inch deep on heavy clay soils. That would be us, most of us. But if you do have sand to your soil, you can plant your uh, carrot about half an inch. Your carrot seed can go half an inch below the ground, but on clay soils, just under the earth at about a quarter of an inch. Now, let's talk a little bit about cultivars or types. There's a lot of cultivars, but we mainly group carrots into four uh, types. The Danvers, the Chantenay, Nantes, and the Imperator. Now, of course, the Imperator is that very large one, the very big one. But let's talk about some of the characteristics. I love a Danvers carrot because a Danvers carrot has a medium-long root. Uh, It does become pointed or sort of have a cone-shaped tip, but it has broad shoulders. So right below the uh, stem, well, right up, yeah, yeah, technically right about below the stem, uh, you've got the top of the carrot and it's got this broad shoulder. And of course, the root tapers quite noticeably to the tip. Now, the Chantenay roots, uh, those have are medium short, so they're very small. They're almost bite-sized. They have blunt tips. They don't necessarily come to a cone shape, but they, they too have a broad shoulder. And of course, that root tapers to the tip. Now, Nantes is pretty unique. Uh, 
Nantes has a medium long root. Uh, they do have a rounded tip at the base there. And then generally they're slender and kind of cylindrical along the side. So they don't have a taper per se. They're sort of like a cylinder. And of course the end is, is fairly blunt. Now the imperator, uh, the Imperator is going to be the large, this is the one that old Bugs Bunny ate, right? They have very long roots. They are quite slender, and they are pointed, tapering slightly to the tip. Now, of course, these are not the only types of uh, carrots. There are different subgroups below that, or we'll say cultivars. So, Mostly, though, they can be grouped with one of these forms. So depending on if you want a broad shoulder or a uh, cylinder-shaped carrot, be sure to check out the seed producers on that. And when we get back, we're going to wrap up our discussion on carrots. It's turned into Carrot Day here at New Southern Garden. So hang on tight. We'll get those beautiful orange roots out of the soil when we get back. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, let's literally jump into the soil this morning because we are talking about root crops, particularly and specifically, we're talking about carrots. Now, of course, carrots are part of the group of vegetables that we strictly grow to consume its roots. Of course, there's three different, three different things we produce in the vegetable garden. Roots, shoots, and fruits. Those are the three things we produce in the vegetable garden, and it is a great, I think it's a pleasure to grow root crops because, you know, you can watch a tomato as it develops, right? You can watch a, a bunch of lettuce uh, develop as they, the leaves grow. You can see all that. It's happening above the ground. But the thing about root crops is you really can't tell what's going on. How long is that carrot going to be? How wide is that beet root going to be? You don't really know. And it's always such a surprise, not just for people who haven't tended the garden, but it's a surprise for the guy who's been growing it or gal who's been growing it because we can't see underneath the soil. Now, before the break, we were talking about the different types of uh, carrots and the, some of their characteristics. And if you've missed any part of today's program, uh, I would encourage you to check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com. And, of course, you can find every episode of the program we've ever had right there. You can find us on your favorite podcasting apps, on your smart devices. And, of course, we have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. And you can check out New Southern Garden on the social medias 
as well. Now, remember, the, the four types that we talked about of, of carrot plants are Danvers, Chantenay, Nantes, and Imperator. Now, most of the Imperator types or some cultivar of them, some strain of them, are going to be used for the fresh market because of shape and color. However, Nantes and Danvers are very commonly used, very commonly used in the home garden. So those may be some you want to grow yourself. They are smaller. They don't take up as much space. They don't need as much depth of soil. And of course, the shallower of a root you grow here in clay soil, the prettier root you will have. Let's talk about some insects and disease problems. Uh, first of all, there is a major I insect problem uh, called the carrot rust flies, and of course there are leaf hoppers. Now the rust fly does cause damage uh, both in the northeast, but particularly maybe out in the northwest, Pacific Northwest. They burrow into the roots. The larvae burrow into the roots, and of course uh, that is a problem because it is the root you're trying to produce after all. Uh, but maybe not such a problem for us here in the south, but that is one of the major carrot issues here in the United States. Uh, then we have leafhoppers, right? There are leafhoppers in the south uh, on specific plants. Um, their feeding activity uh, are actually <laughs> leads to a disease called aster yellows, which we're going to talk about uh, when we get done with these guys. But the leafhoppers not just are a problem um, uh, for the plant itself, but indirectly they usually are a vector, meaning a mover or a conduit of a disease called aster yellows. It's a very disease, very serious disease in carrots. Um, but anyhow, this insect can be controlled by using insecticides uh, when the animal appears. When this demon creature appears, you can use insecticides. Now, it is going to be very important to protect your carrot seedlings from leafhoppers uh, at the earliest stage as possible as soon as the uh, first leaf comes out of the seedling, the first true leaf. You want to keep leafhoppers away. If you've got the problem, hopefully you won't have them. Some other problems, of course, are going to be aphids, cutworms, carrot weevils, and mites. Now let's talk about this disease, aster yellows. It's a strange name, uh, but sometimes aster yellows uh, refers to a carrot yellows as well that may just be a common name but regardless it's a unique disease caused by mycoplasma and it spreads by those leaf hoppers so in other words a leaf hopper goes to a plant or a, a, it may be a carrot plant it may be something else in the parsley family it gets the the micro mycoplasma on its little fingers and mouth parts <laughs> it moves it to your garden and boom you have that disease aster yellows now what this is going to look like is it's going to be um, the infected plants will have a pale yellow cast and of course, a heavy concentration of little fine rootlets on the tap root. Now, the two most practical controls uh, of aster yellows, if you have this problem or you find this season that you do, is number one, try to eradicate leaf hoppers. Uh, try to control the leaf hopper so that you don't have so many issues with the disease. And the second thing to do uh, may, do, may not seem you know intuitive at first, but if you control weeds in surrounding fields, now there's probably only so much you can do, but if you have a, a larger problem, property and you're not mowing certain areas well those are 
can become nesting sites uh, for insect vectors. Now, remember that we mentioned that carrots are in that parsley family. Well, so is a weed called Queen Anne's Lace. Queen Anne's Lace is a beautiful flower. It looks like a carrot flower, uh, but uh, those grow along the street. Uh, along roadsides, along ditches and banks, and keeping those at bay will also help to keep your diseases at bay. So leaf blight is is another problem, and with leaf blight, you're going to see these uh, dead spots on the leaves because it's a fungal disease that infects wet foliage. So one of the best things to do is try to keep Try to keep the foliage of your plants dry. Of course, the roots need moisture, but if the foliage gets wet, you have increased disease potential as far as leaf blight goes. Now, if you catch it early, you can use fungicide. But with all that being said, there are some other diseases that aren't quite as problematic. You may or may not have a disease with your carrots. I have been growing carrots for many years and never really had problems with disease. So just keep that in mind. If you start to see problems with your plants, it's time to control it. It's time to get a handle on it. Like we said, don't leave um, uh, the edges of your garden unattended if there's weedy patches around your property. Or unfortunately, you may have a weedy neighbor uh, that could be harboring some of these diseases. Uh, But if you do notice that you're starting to get disease potential, then be sure that you eliminate uh, crops. You may be able to harvest them to consume if the root is not damaged and, and all mushy. But uh, if the tops have been damaged, then be sure you get rid of those leaves. That's called sanitization, getting the disease potential out of your garden. Do not compost it. Lastly, let's have a little discussion about harvesting. Now, of course, uh, we <laughs> we usually harvest for fresh market or for your table uh, plants before they reach full maturity because we're not going to let them go into their flower mode. That's going to make the roots a bit uh corky not very good so be sure it usually takes 70 to 100 days from uh, planting to harvest your roots now of course smaller size roots are used for the fresh market they are more tender they're mild in flavor more uniform in appearance than larger roots that would be used for processing so in this case you want to get them relatively early. Now, one little note that's pretty funny or pretty cool is that when folks are uh, harvesting fields, when they're harvesting fields of carrots, they have a mechanical harvester and it does this in one swoop. In the same operation, it uh, undercuts the roots, loosens them from the soil, lifts the plants by the tops, and separates the roots from the tops. Now, we can't do that in one swoop. But this summer, if you want to grow some carrots, get in and get started because it's ideal time. And then in a few weeks, you'll have your own fresh carrots. For New Southern Garden and WRWH 93.9 FM, I'm Nathan Wilson, hoping you stay well and grow well. See you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. 